before you know it, everything's okay. The problem with okay for too long is people get bored. They get sick of it. They get frustrated. And that's why the midlife crisis has moved down from the 40s into the 30s. I, I find you know, people my age in the 50s, if you listen to this right now, you're probably at a stage where you're thinking, you know, well, I, I do want more. I do want to have more money to, to go and enjoy myself. My kids are at university now, but I still don't have enough in the pot here. If you're 30, 35 years of age, you might have a pot of money right now, but it will not last you another 30 years. Hello, this is Dr. Rowe, and you're listening to the Growth Tribes podcast with Dr. Rowe and Harms. This is the podcast where two completely different generations tackle the most challenging topics that people are facing today. Above all else, the main reason that we chose to develop and record these podcasts is because we both have a passion for helping people go through life transformation, for improving their lives, for taking their lives to a completely different level. And it's our hope, our genuine sincere hope, that by the end of each of these episodes, you'll have gained at least one insight that you can take away and apply directly into your own life practical tools, voices that come in from both generations, the younger generation with tips and tools and the older generation with a sense of wisdom and experience so that you can help unlock your true potential to give the opportunity to make changes both on a personal, professional, financial and relationship level and to give you a chance to impact both your lives and the lives of other people around you. So we welcome you. Welcome to the Growth Tribes podcast. Hi, it is Harms here and I'm with Dr. Rowe for another episode of the Growth Tribes podcast. And today we are talking about money. And just to help Dr. Rowe with some context on why I want to talk about this topic today is my first real understanding and reflection on money was when I had to originally decide which career path I was going to take when I was about 18 and 19 years old. So I didn't go down the conventional university routes. I actually went down the route of an apprentice. And when I look back in time, it is fascinating the decision I made on how to choose what career to take. So I remember my mum and dad gave me sort of the pamphlets on which apprenticeship to have a look at. One was for engineering, one was in the aviation industry, and there was another one as a BT engineer as such. And the way I decided on which career path to take was the projected salary they was going to pay me once I'd completed my apprenticeship. So I made my decision, the decision for the next 30 to 40 years on what I'd be doing in life based on a projected salary on a form. And one thing I didn't take into consideration was, am I the right person for this career? Am I interested in engineering, aviation, or is it telecoms? And that is how I made my first ever career decision. So that actually links me to the thing I want to think about. When somebody thinks about money, and this is now a question to yourself, Dr. Rowe, when it's about money, what should they be thinking? Where, where should they start when thinking about money? Money, money, money. It's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm just smiling. How old were you when you made that decision? I was, from memory now, it was either 18 or 19 years old. Wow. So at that stage there, 18, 19 years of age, you're asking questions that are related essentially to what could I earn in this career if I see it all the way through, which will ultimately lead to a certain lifestyle in the future. Is that correct? That's exactly correct. Yes. What had that lifestyle look for you? 
Okay, so here's an interesting question. Not that I'm coaching, of course, but whilst no, this, of course this not. is a coaching question. <laughs> if, if you heard episode podcast number one, you'd understand this part. So just check back into that to get what we're talking about there. But what that looked like to me was it was all based, genuinely, it was based around money and what material items I would have in my life at the time. So right. when I was 18, 19, it was like, I'm going to be living in this part of the country. I'm going to have this size house. Maybe my kids might be able to go to private school. I want to be able to go on holiday this many times a year. That was how I was basing my decision. So I was deciding, it sounds crazy now when I look back at it, but I was deciding what career I was going to choose based on the lifestyle it was going to give me, regardless of I would have to be doing that career for the next 30 to 40 years. I just didn't factor that part in. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, for those of you listening to this right now, just be aware that when we start a podcast, Harminder and I discuss briefly beforehand the subject that he wants to cover, but we don't structure it too much because it wants to be natural in its flow. So I'm throwing questions at him here that he, he didn't know I was going to ask him. And I think out of this point you're making, Harminder, I think this is important that we we clarify at the start of this podcast what the key question is. And I'm guessing what you're saying is, is you know, what is our relationship with money? Why do we make the decisions we make? And, and why are so many people having challenges with money at the moment? Is that a fair overall observation of, of what you're trying to lead to in this podcast? I think those are spot on with the questions because the belief and the relationship is almost at the start. And that then plays out throughout somebody's life and then the final question you had which is around the decisions yeah right. that is then how do I now look back on that and change this decision I made about money many many years ago so those three questions there are exactly spot on and I think if we go down those roads uh, we'll have a positive outcome for the people listening today okay so to try and put this in contrast and I think before before we go any further let me just give you a contrast when I started my in my back in my early days so when I was in my teenage years just after my father died I was delivering newspapers and doing anything I could to work hard to generate as much cash as possible because my mum had taught me one thing if you want to make more money you've got to work harder so she had these two jobs and I've talked about this previously that's my whole association with creating wealth is work hard work hard work hard I then went into a degree got a, a job and I think I was on 16,000 15, 16,000 pounds per year with a PhD. And I didn't focus on money. That wasn't my primary focus when I did the career. The original reason I did my career was because, well, you know, you're good at maths and good at physics and you want to get a good job for life, then do this career. So it wasn't so much money focused. But to put that in contrast, 16,000 pounds a year, I can make 16,000 pounds in less than an hour now within the businesses that I have. So if you look at it from that perspective, it's it's understanding not just profession, which is what you talked about your career, but it's also understanding your relationship with money, because in order to attract money into your life, there's several things that have to come into place. Now, can I make a suggestion on the time that we've got in this podcast? We cover three areas, if that's OK with you. Can I just list them out what I think we should cover, Harms? OK, yes. So I, what I think what I'd like to cover with you whilst we're on this call is money beliefs. So what are people's beliefs around money? Without having those correct, everything else goes all over the place. And so what I've learned just from this conversation with you briefly at the start of your journey was your belief was if you got a good career, you would generate a lot of money without thinking about the diversity of that. It was just get a good career and get a good salary. Am I, am I correct? Because that was fundamentally one of your early beliefs. That was fundamentally yes yes okay so so one of the areas we've got to cover is money beliefs another area is money management so once and i'll come back and ask you this question once we get into the flow is what money management systems do people have in place in order for them to not just 
earn the money, manage the money, but then make the money grow for them. Because it's not how hard you work, it's how hard your money works for you. And I think that's probably something you didn't even consider back at 19 years of age. Would that be no, true? Well, I'll talk about my, I'll talk about my <laughs> systems later because I, okay. I, I had a feeling one, that was going to be one of the <laughs> topics you talk about. So I'll talk about what my systems were previously in the past and what I noticed with some of the people around me on what their systems were as an example of how I used to treat money maybe 10, 10 years ago now. Okay, this is fascinating. And then the last thing I think I, I want to tackle this before we finish is attracting more money. So how can we attract more money into our lives outside of our primary career or where we're putting most of our time, i.e. a job for most people? And it would be great to finish off with some key actions and maybe you and I can choose an action from what we talked about. So can I kick off with money beliefs first? Yes, I think that's a great place to start because just from a personal point of view, once my money beliefs shifted, then we started to experience the sort of income levels, which I never, if you told me I was going to be earning this 10 years ago, I would have said, no way. As an engineer, that's you can't earn that as an engineer. So I think beliefs is a great place to start. Yeah, exactly. And if you think about it from your property business alone, you and your wife put yourself into a position in a small number of years to cover your expenses and to be able to not have to work for a whole lifetime if you choose to albeit you've created other businesses so there's no way at 19 you'd have even that idea in your mind unless somebody had helped place that early the only seed that we get placed is the belief that you need to get a good career it's total sense though because if if we talk about beliefs in terms of what i believe my scope and how much i could attain as a person and what i what the meanings were i attach money to they were set by parents family and then the group of people around me in my circle. So that was the extreme of what I understood money to be. So I think it's a great place to start. And by all means, let's kick off. Let's talk about beliefs and money. Right, so as you're listening to this right now, if you've got a pen, one of the things to appreciate is that every single human being has a template around any part of our lives, whether it's money, health, relationships, business, career, etc. So each of us will have a money template. Now, that template, the same way, you, you know, you, you might want to draw a picture several times. You can make a little plastic or a wooden template and draw it again, repeat it again and again. Once that template is shaped, usually in our first five, six, seven, eight years, and then along our journey up to into our teens and into our early 20s, a significant emotional event, an observation that we heard or something we heard a lot of times from a parent or somebody else, it becomes part of our template. We get shaped and that's what we believe about money. So on the basis that every human being has a, has a single template or several smaller templates around money, how we identify what those templates are is each template represents a belief. And what I mean by that is, for example, money doesn't grow on trees. You've probably heard that or you heard somebody say that. Is that something you heard at some point in your youth, either from family or friends, Harms? A hundred percent. Money doesn't go on tree amongst a whole bunch of other phrases, such as you have to work hard to get money. You have right. to work even harder in the overtime, do extra hours, work bank holidays. That is how you accumulate more money. Yes, right. there's a lot of study, phrases. Study there. hard, be grateful that you're in a good career. I mean, money is the root of all evil, which again is a misquote, a biblical misquote. Uh, you know, I'm not a business person. Only rich people can make more money. I mean, these are all mini beliefs. They're also templates. So if money doesn't go on trees, becomes written into your psyche. It's like a shape. If you want to do a template, my daughter, right? she wants to do a picture of a cat 10 times over. You draw the template out. She can just it's like a stencil. You just keep going over and over and over and again. And the thing is, the more times that belief 
that stencil is drawn over. If you if you took a stencil on a piece of paper like that and you just kept going over it again, and again, and again, and again, and again, and you moved it, that piece of paper would be absolutely embossed with it. You could not remove it, and that's what happens to the psyche. So our belief systems around money, if they are drilled in and literally embedded at a young age. Every single behavior after that, when we're 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, my age 53, if you have not changed that template, that stenciled, embossed belief that's in your unconscious, if you haven't changed it, whenever you're faced with a situation where you need to draw on a belief and that belief comes out, it might limit your possibilities. Does this make sense? Now, I know you, it makes sense to you from the perspective of you've been through this process with me now, but but when you've seen this in other people, have you witnessed other people literally giving you resistance, younger people that you might have worked with, because you can already see that they've got this stencil that they cannot change or they didn't know that they could change? Yeah, that makes total sense, Ro. And it's not even the younger people. It is also <laughs> people in their 30s, 40s, 50s, even 60s. Or 60s and 70s. 60s and 70s. And when you explain it to them like that, it's like you just see them internalize and you see the light bulb go off thinking, damn, if somebody just told me slightly a slightly different, if somebody showed me a different template, yeah, I could have just worked towards that. But this is all I knew. And it's when they realized that's all I knew because that's all I was ever told. And then they just got busy and head down in their career. They never took a step back to have this conversation about money and then they could readdress their template. So, yes, it's very it's seen so often to the point where and and a good indicator I found is when somebody's uncomfortable talking about money or they rarely even speak about money. That's an indicator that that their template is slightly skewed. And that's when they really, they are the people that need to talk about it the most. Right. So even at that point there, I mean, this could be a conversation for an hour, just on that one point you just made there. And you might go, somebody listening to this might go, well, that's not true. I no, it's the only reason I don't really want to talk about money is because I, I don't necessarily want to talk about how much I earn or how little I earn. Well, there you go. There's a limiting belief. Why should you feel uncomfortable about that? Oh, well, because I was taught that it's not healthy or it's not socially acceptable to talk about how much you earn. Well, there's another belief that society has put upon you. So that's not to say you go around telling everybody how much you earn. But when it comes to a personal conversation where you're trying to break through and get to another level, we have to be very honest. It's, it's OK to say, actually, I'd like to earn more money because I'd like to give money to charity. I'd like to be able to help my kids. I'd like to travel more. I'd like to be able to do more for the world. If I earn more money, I could do that. So thinking small, living small, earning small amounts of money does not necessarily help the bigger cause. If you've got a vision to do something amazing in the world and that involves money and giving money away. And the only way to do that is to generate more money. And that's the dilemma that people get into. So they, even if they're defensive, like you say, to start with, it's a definite sign that they've got some challenges with their beliefs around money. I mean, a classic example, my mum, as you talked about there in the 60s, my mum's in her 70s. She grew up during the war period when everything was rationed. So to her, money, you know, it's, it's like money is this sacred thing and the concept of entrepreneurialism and earning more money etc most people just survive from that era they just want to survive they they store their food there's tins of you might have seen this in older people's generations but they have tins of food that's you know well out of date it's been sat there in the shelf because when i was little we we just you know we had to eat everything we had and we didn't want to let anything go so i go into my mom's house it jokes aside sometimes and i see a tin of food and i'm like my god that's like a year out of date but her, <laughs> Have you ever seen this, by the way? I've, I've seen this. And if my parents are listening, they'll be having a chuckle themselves. 
yourself, oh, that generation, it's just, well, don't waste. And that's true. Unfortunately, though, with that comes a sense of security, locking everything down, protecting everything. And of course, that means not investing your money or your time into something to grow. And there's the di- dichotomy here. Is the, the confusion is I want to grow. I can see my kids are growing. I'm in my 50s and 60s now, but, but I was always taught to be protective and safe. And my beliefs are you've got to cover and protect everything. Well, how can you grow if you're not prepared to invest part of you, part of your time, part of your money into something? So it's a major subject. I mean, th- this could be the whole subject in its own. Just this one thing about people coming from a place of scarcity. But let, let me just let me expand a little bit on some questions that they can that the listeners can actually have a think about. So one of the questions, Harms, is this is what and maybe if you're listening, you can write this down. Is what did you hear? What did you see and hear? And Harms has actually alluded to some of those points already. So when you were growing up, what did you see your parents do? your uncle and aunts, people around you, or what did you hear them say? And we've, we've alluded to some typical beliefs there. So for example, I was working with a couple not so long ago where they were wanting to start a business, but they had seen their parents start a business and both their parents had argued, had fallouts over it. She wanted to invest more money into the business. The husband didn't. The husband was like, we've got to stay safe. We shouldn't invest any more money into the business. It created a massive rift and the relationship broke up. So the couple I was talking to were afraid to start their own business because what if we get into a divorce just like my parents did? So the belief from when they were seven and eight years of age was based on the fact that starting a business can destroy a relationship. Think about that fundamentally. That's massive. So what did you see and hear that could have left a negative seed of doubt or planted some fear in you around money? Is there anything you personally want to observe or add to that, Harminder? But what I wanted to just make clear for the listeners is sometimes you're listening to this and you'll be on a you're having a run, you'll have a walk, you'll be listening in the kitchen, you may not have a pen. So any questions and useful things from this episode's podcast, we will put on the show notes. And I'll tell you the link at the end of the podcast on where you can find those. So just a useful note for listeners. Okay, so then so added to that is so first of all, just just catalogue it, grab it and just just go back the conversations that took place around money. Money doesn't grow on trees, only rich people can do this don't be silly you're never going to be able to do that because you're you know get you're in a career as an engineer how on earth can you start other businesses you might have heard all sorts of things all associated with making money or managing your money second question is how did that shape your beliefs so having now written down what you believed you saw or heard now reflect back honestly and say oh my gosh actually if i think about it when certain things come up I can almost hear my dad's voice or my mum's voice or my parents arguing or my auntie or my uncle or whatever it is. And that's affecting the way I act today because 90% of our decisions that we make around money are influenced by what we observed around us when we were growing up. Because you and me, Harminda, although I'm 20, 30 years older than you, we both started with a blank canvas. You know, when little Ro with his hair and his diapers started to grow up, walking around. I can't even imagine that. (laughs) So no hair now. I had no hair back then. I was a blank canvas. I knew nothing about money. You didn't. You didn't have a beard. I mean, I don't think you were born with that beard that you've got today. Maybe you were. I don't know. Your wife could tell me that. I had had a few whiskers, (laughs) yeah. At the end of the day, neither you, myself, your parents or our grandparents had any beliefs around money. Those beliefs were put upon us or we observed them from somebody else or we define those beliefs further along the line by our own experiences with money. So my question is, what did you see and hear? Question number one. And then what? how did that shape you? How did that shape your beliefs today as a grown person? I think those are two fantastic questions. Like I said, we'll put those in the show notes. And I was just internalizing then as you're speaking about those scenarios and my money beliefs, even into my 20s, 50s, and even sometimes now in my 30s, I find myself checking in and my questions now slightly more advanced. And I say to myself, is that me? Is that genuinely me thinking that about 
this money decision I'm about to make? Good. Or has that come from an external force? Good. And now it's also an external force, not from the past in terms of parents, friends, uncles, aunties, the way grandparents treated money and the stories they associate with money, but also now from a different level of expertise. So I may have a mentor or a coach who spoke about the way they manage money in their business. And I have to question, is this their, is it, am I taking on their belief? Am I taking my parents' belief? Or am I making an independent decision now based on all these great things I've learned? Because these are all good learnings, but you have to identify, I have to identify myself. Is this a limiting belief around money? Or is this me now saying, actually, I'm comfortable making this decision because why should I be held back by somebody else's opinion of money from about 15, 16 years ago? So I now check in with myself, but that will come naturally over time. Well, it will. If I mean, if, if somebody listening to this is staying plugged into the growth tribes as an example, because of the nature of the style of this conversation that happens, I'll naturally coach your coach. And you get to a point with emotional development and self-awareness. This is this is self-awareness coaching. So you become now reflective on your own thoughts. You self-coach to a certain level and that's what you're talking about there is the minute you become aware of something if you ask the right question behind it you can even come up with a correct answer a powerful question usually leads to a powerful answer so that's a really interesting that you've got to this stage already at such a young age most people don't get there they just haven't got the awareness of that so you know hats off to you no, thank you that's kind but it links back to point number one of this podcast which is what is your belief around money <laughs> and then having the confidence to be coached mentored and actually work on that belief because sometimes yes it can be uncomfortable because you're you're changing the way you thought something was for the last 15 16 17 years yeah and now you've to change shift from that belief to a completely different belief and that can be tough it can be uncomfortable yeah so i think to, just to wrap up with two more quick ones to, to give them something to go away with today is question number three then which is a belief again is what negative feelings or beliefs do you have associated with the money that may be different to the previous question so this is now a very specific question is whenever you think about going and doing something and spending money or an experience you've had just recently where you've spent money you spent too much money or you haven't spent enough on something or you have to go and invest in something or you have to give somebody money what negative feelings do you have do you find yourself resisting doing that do you find yourself sat at a table with friends and there's a dinner at the end of it thinking how are we going to pay for this do we split the bill do i take the bill i think they should take the bill what happens when a letter comes in the post and you open it up and it's a bank statement what negative beliefs do you have associated with that or if you get a bill in the post it wasn't expected to be so high so start thinking about anytime you have a slightly negative feeling around money make a note of it and start to ask powerful questions around that what's it linked to is it shaped back to the past there's one last question added to this but for now i just want people to be aware of when they start to notice a negative feeling coming up i mean harms whilst i've got you here can you think of one from the past when you always had this repeated sort of odd feeling associated with money time you started to think about it or a certain type of money it's a very good question so for myself the negative feeling that came about was at some point just not having enough so I had to, that was a thing for me. It was a case of, will I always have enough money? Will I not have enough money? So that was the, that was a reoccurring theme. Just right. to help listeners out there, one of my limiting beliefs was I never wanted to be in a position where I didn't have any money because then I would see myself leaving the comfortable life that I was living. And when I talk about comfortable life, I'm talking about a middle class lifestyle. So that was my limiting belief. I'd never want to leave that middle class lifestyle. So I had seen, I had traveled to places like Malaysia and India and seen the way other people were grown up. And in my mind, that was a contrast. And I was like, I was quite frightened to live like that. So for me, it was all a case of I had to save 
So if we talk about mm. a belief I had, it was I was very much a saver. What those beliefs led to was saving everything. So I would spend very little. And even from the age of 16, 17, when I was working in a car garage as an electrical mechanical guy, I would save all that money. Save it, save it, save it, save it. Um, occasionally buy something, but that was just stockpiling. It was stockpiling, yeah, yeah. stockpiling, with no intention of what to do with that money. It was purely a case of I'm just saving this money because I never want to be without money, and that was what shaped my early twenties, actually. Interesting, and that will come actually in a moment to the next part, which is money management. Mm. Uh, I mean, just to add to that, so I was the opposite, Harminder, because my father died. I think I've talked about this previously, but my father died. I had a belief that. I wasn't sure if I was going to live to an old age. I actually genuinely believed that. So I would not save. I would, but, but what I did do is I spent it on experiences. I didn't even buy things. I just wanted to experience the world because one of the things my father wrote to us at a young age when I was young before he died was go and experience the world, you know, learn and experience things around you. My mum was the same. So every time I would, I would work all the way through my school holidays and then that money, I would just go and spend it to travel with, travel to as many places as possible on the basis that, okay, I'm probably not going to make it past 40. So fuck it, I'm just going to see as much of the world as I can. So I was completely opposite to you. I was just spending without any planning whatsoever because I had a belief I needed that money to have that experience because I had another belief that I probably wouldn't live till 40, 45. And I've I've very rarely shared that in a public place before, but that was what I was driven by all those years ago. It's fascinating. So it's great for the listener because they've got two contrasts here. They've got a saver and a spender. Yeah, but. But if you're listening at home, you may not be you, your reason for spending may not because you don't feel that you're going to live to a certain age. Correct. It could be for a completely different reason. Yeah. My reason for saving was my parents saved. And I thought that was the great model of financial sort of success is to save, 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 right. save. So right. I think for listeners at home thinking about this, it's there are some broad spectrums and categories a financial sort of situation would be. You'll be a saver, you'll be a spender, be somebody who's frightened of debt, for example. So you just buy everything in cash, uh, which is a completely separate podcast. But within those profiles, there'll be reasons you behave like that. And I think that's the thing to help try and work out why do you behave in a certain way around money? And I think that's the key part of the belief part one of this podcast. And actually, just just to wrap it up with the last question then, so that the previous question was what negative feelings or beliefs do you have associated with money or have in the past? And the last part of the question then is, the last question to this process is how have these beliefs affected the decisions that you've made, which I've just illustrated from my own personal (laughs) perspective. Yes. So how how have they? And you go, actually, well, I had a belief this and I believe this and I believe this. Oh my gosh, actually, in believing that, I said no to that opportunity. I said no to that because I was afraid I'd take the money out of the bank account and put it into something and take a risk. I said yes to that because I tend to spend a lot of money and I thought, screw it, I'll just go for it. But I didn't really think it through. So your beliefs will definitely have affected certain decisions. What have you lost out on as a result of possible negative beliefs around money? What opportunities have you let slip by? What things haven't you aspired to do because you're just dumbing your dreams down because you've got this fear of losing money? I mean, Harminda, you talked about saving money. So I guess your head was just purely down really just saving 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 without necessarily a, a big vision into the future it's just stay safe at the moment yes and that i think you've just nailed it there is stay safe so if i've got a pot of cash i felt like i was safe or when you actually dive into it from a financial sense it's actually not safe at all really so if you've got cash put at home it's not actually that safe and it won't actually last you that long no if you say for example you lost your job you'll fairly quickly burn through that because there's living expenses travel Correct. things like that but that was a for some reason a financial safety buffer and I felt safe having had that in the the bank account but when you think about it as in I'm just one person with one set of beliefs whereas I'm not saying this would have been your case where but if you had spent everything in your bank account on experiences we're both people living different lives we're both okay we're both alive at the end of the day we're both alive and we're still living but different spending habits but both still okay 
And I think that's something to realize as well, is that there's lots of different ways to do this, but you're still going to be okay. But the, the first step is just understanding why you're behaving like that. I Correct. Think that's, that's so big, that self-awareness that you, you mentioned earlier. And I think there's a very good point here. This is not about making a judgment. This is about making an observation. If we're coaching ourselves, we're being observational. I'm going to throw a provocative comment behind what you just said there, because I think you've made a very good point. And I'm going to try and even simplify this down to, to two things. Do you want to survive or do you want to thrive? And as far as I'm concerned, surviving is the OK bit. I'm OK. Mm-hmm. I'm surviving. But if you're listening to this, and you're like, fuck this. I want to thrive. In order to thrive, <laughs> the old beliefs that have been limiting your expansion as a human being financially need to go and a whole new set of beliefs which is a completely different podcast altogether about your life and about money need to come into play and this is not me trying to be bullying by by the way i'm saying it but i'm I'm bullying myself on a regular basis to remind myself in a positive way it's positive bullying it's like bro kick yourself up the arse remember to do this remember you've got to put some money aside here what about your kids have your kids learned the money management system i mean i'm doing that at the moment with my eldest daughter she's 10 has she got a money management system in place what are her beliefs around money if we don't self-reflect and kick ourselves up the arse before you know it everything's okay the problem with okay for too long is people get bored, they get sick of it, they get frustrated. And that's why the midlife crisis has moved down from the 40s into the 30s. I, I find that you know, people my age in the 50s, if you're listening to this right now, you're probably at a stage where you're thinking, you know, oh, fuck, I, I do want more. I do want to have more money to be able to go and enjoy myself. My kids are at university now, but I still don't have enough in the pot here. If you're 30, 35 years of age, you might have a pot of money right now, but it will not last you another 30 years. So something has to change. Your money has to expand and grow beyond your physical means. And that's done through vehicles. It's through management systems. It's through attracting more into your life but it starts with the fundamentals of get your beliefs right you have to it's the roots of everything i think that is a fantastic fantastic point and with midlife crisis comes a large part of what you saved just gets blown on something you constantly yeah. hear about this gets blown on a car gets blown on a, a massive holiday and a large percentage of everything they saved because they got bored and frustrated and maybe even questioned why on earth have i spent all this time saving this money I'm now going to reward myself after 20, 30 years. And it is coming sooner and sooner and sooner. But what I want to add on the back of what Rose just said, because it is very challenging and it's very, there's a lot of truth in that. What I want to just say is now the thing to be aware of is be careful not to chase money for mm. the wrong reason. Yeah. And we, I think it's important we put that warning out there because the contrast to this is, OK, well, I don't want to be OK. So now I'm going to search for how to make lots of money and I'm right. going to go chase some money. And you'll chase money doing something you're not passionate about because you're purely chasing the money and you're just nine times out of ten, it's not going to work because you've done it for the wrong reason. You've done it for the riches. I think you're spot on. And maybe to wrap up the the podcast in a bit, we can just touch on that on the attraction. Because I think attraction is a whole different podcast altogether. But I did want to touch on it before we finish, because I think you've raised a very good point here. Because if pursuit of money is the main focus, this is where the get rich quick scheme type businesses will. They're like vultures that prey on people that are desperate to suddenly generate more money. That's not the way to do it either. So I think you've raised a very good point there. Yeah. So that's just us saying just a warning off the back of that, there's a sensible way to do this. And I think that takes us on to the second part of the podcast where, well, you're going to talk to us about money systems and how you manage money. Yeah, harm. So, okay, so money management. Now, bear in mind, the importance of this podcast, I think, is what we just covered their beliefs. The next two, I'm going to go briefly through these money management, the last one, attraction. So if you're listening to this right now and you're like I was when I was in my youth and even a lot of people I, I meet today, 40, 45, 50, 55, 60 years of age, still do the same thing. They earn money and they spend money. A little bit is put aside for holidays, possibly. Otherwise, it's paid for on credit cards. And that's a typical model. People do not have a system. And I know that because I was really bad at this. I literally would earn money and spend it. That was it. So the system that I typically use today has, has 
several layers to it, but I'm just going to headline them if that's okay with you, Harminda, just because of time. And it could be something we can come back and reflect on in a future podcast if you want to bring this up. And I think it's a provocative subject, so we could cover it separately. But if everyone's got their pens out, can I just list them out, Harminda, just briefly so everyone's got an idea? That would be fantastic. And just to put some context behind this, I think it's useful we have this as a separate podcast because okay. we can go very deep into this because I use your system now, but I can also share with them in a few moments the system I used to use. Okay. And it's, it might overwhelm the listeners because the first part was incredible so far. Okay, so just remember that the conventional model is you earn money, you, you pay your bills, and then whatever's left, you spend on some stuff and that's it, and maybe go on holiday a year. And then 15, 20 years later, you're thinking, what the hell have I been doing for the last 15, 20 years? So I'm going to give you a system that works very well. Uh, and, and you might want to consider this as you move forward, even if you don't do the detail on it right now. So the first one is this, a percentage of your money needs to go towards your basic living costs. This is what you're paying your fundamental bills with, i.e. food, your heating, your gas bills, your house rent or your mortgage and anything you need to, to get by on to survive your living costs. That's it. No bells and whistles, no cable TV, no flashy this and flashy that. It's just your basic living expenses. So that's one category of spending in your household. The second category of spending would be your money that you spend on fun. So this is where you treat yourselves to things. This is what I did a lot. I just I would save it up and spend it straight away. So these would be something every single month that you spend yourself on. You treat yourself to something, whether it's a, a toy, i.e. a gadget for a bloke or I know for a lady, it could be something completely different, whatever. You know, I know for me personally, I'm a bit of a gadget person. Uh, whether, it's, <laughs> whether it's going out and treating yourself to an experience, that would be the fun side of your money. And, and what I'm saying here is if you can imagine a big pot of money coming every single month, you've got to allocate a percentage of that to each of these categories if you want to really have a system behind it. The next one is savings. Now, this is savings for the short term and for the long term. So this is money that you put aside. This is what you seem to have done a lot, I think, in the early years, Harminder. Yeah, so typically I was a 100% saver. So I had pot number one. And then I had pot number three, which you just mentioned, which is saving. What I was terrible at was the reward bit. Okay. So again, won't, won't go too deep into it, but I just did not reward myself. I would spend right. ad hoc, but it wasn't a conscious decision. So, so the idea of going out and treating uh, the, the, the fun money, by the way, is guilt free money. So you already had a sense of guilt attached to that. If you go spend go. something on yourself, Harminder's like, I feel guilty because I'm taking it out of my savings pot. Is that right? That's correct. Whereas if, if I had this system back then, which said maybe a certain percentage, I wanted to buy X. Say, for example, I mean, 18 years old. The things you're interested in are a, a brand new jacket, right? I wanted right. a brand new winter jacket. Uh, it was a bit more expensive than the stuff that's out there. Yeah. If I was conscious about this, I should have said, right, once my fun money account maybe hit a hundred pound, I would go buy this winter jacket. Yeah. Whereas I did not do that. Okay. I would get to the hundred pound and say, ah, no, I don't need that. I'll just keep on saving. Right. So for me, I don't need to save. What am I saving for? I'm not going to live past 40. I'm just going to have a <laughs> massive fun bucket. And that fun bucket, which is all the money that went into there was spent. So if you paint a picture or doing a diagram on this, if you can imagine this huge vat of this fresh spring water, you're feeding your life every single month. So one little valve opens up to cover your living costs. Another valve opens up to cover your fun money. Another valve opens up to cover your savings and long-term savings for the future as well. So the vat of water, which is lovely life-giving water, is slowly going down, but in a certain percentage. At the end of a month, that percentage should have allocated to each of these different areas. That way, you're always going to have the same amount left or not left in the pot, depending on how you allocate the money. So we've got savings, we've got living, we've got play money. Another area I would strongly recommend is investments into the future. So this is separate to savings. This is putting money into investments. This is your golden egg, if you like. It, whether it's property, whether it's the stock market, whether you're investing into a business, but a percentage of what you earn goes into that particular area and that allows you to grow your wealth. Remember, you've spent some of it, you've lived off some of it, you've saved some for security, and now we're actually getting some to grow for us. The other two I would say you might want to consider, one is charity, 
giving money unconditionally to a charity. A small percentage of what you earn goes to that pot there. And that could be any charity you choose that you're passionate about. Don't just go and give it for the sake of it. That's what I did in the early days. I was like, right, got to find a charity. No, it's not about God to find a charity. I made that fundamental mistake. Somebody educated me on this and said, well, find a charity you love. What what do you, for me, it's kids. So what are you passionate about that when you give that money, it's going to help them? Okay, yeah. So it's a different association with the money. And then the last one is debt. It may be that you listen to this and there's a certain amount of money per month has to go off to pay off your debt. That's not the same as savings. It's different. Clearing down debt. Now, there's anything between four to seven different allocations of money. I've gone through five or six there to start with. But Harminda, does that make sense for a general? I mean, I know you apply a principle now very similar to this, but how does that differ from where you were at the start? A uh, really good question, Rose. So that's a fantastic system for anybody listening. How that differentiates from what I used to do was my system was this. I would earn the money that would go into one pot. Right. Then I would take out a certain percentage quite quite a chunky amount because I used when I was young I used to live home with mum and dad so fortunate enough that I didn't have lots of overheads so I would then take a certain percentage and that would go into a savings pot right. and that was it that was my system the savings pot had no other allocation it was just there just okay. stockpile 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 and that was a savings pot which was building with no actual intention of anything to do with that money it was just a safety bar so that was my system but i think that's just one pot really so two pots living and savings that was it that was my system compared to what i do now which is the exact system that you talk about and i actually learned from you many years ago now so i implement that system the one thing i currently don't do is and this is a message just so to say it's okay to be flexible with this so we don't actually allocate finances towards charity causes we are exploring and giving our time right, uh, to yes. charity causes instead yep. of the money that's where we are currently in our life so and again so it's okay to be flexible with it so if you've got more time in a certain area you can give the time so that's how we now this is a stark contrast massive massive contrast it does require a sort of a sort discipline. of systemized approach <laughs> discipline discipline <laughs> and it requires a systemized approach and it yeah you hit the nail on the head with discipline because it has to be something you're not going to gain the results of this in month one month no. two month no. three you're going to see this 12 months down the line when you look at your finances at the end of the year yeah. and you're like whoa that's pretty cool i've got thousand pound here i've got two thousand pound here i've got three hundred pound here and you're like that's pretty impressive and you got um, the new leather so, jacket and you've rewarded yourself you've sensibly gone and gone and experienced things <laughs> in my case again yeah. i know i know I, I get a message for those listening at home i sometimes get jealous because i get a message from Ro and he says oh, i'm looking at this gadget and it's normally the top off the range drone <laughs> camera or something for his tesla and i'm like ah okay i love that that's amazing but that's that for me that's great because that's inspiration for me right. to to say right okay that's in terms of money so talk about money beliefs yeah it's i need to get to a stage where i'm adding enough value to the market to earn enough to Spot. then go and reward myself with this sort of these gadgets and, and feel good about it and not feel guilty about it that's the key. not feel guilty about it because there's a certain pot allocated right. to treat myself to reward yeah. myself based on that same with savings same with if you've got a business you have to have a certain percentage put aside yeah. as a buffer those who do property know they should have a buffer to support their property business and i know we're going to the how-to there but that's not the point of this because we're going to do a separate podcast but you can see the difference so the way i'm talking now is very different to when you probably met me five years ago yeah agreed 
And I think just to add to this, don't be overwhelmed by this list. It's me giving you at this stage an awareness. All I want you to do is, if, as you listen, to be aware of where your money's going. And I might make that part of the homework, actually, between myself and Harminda. Uh, we need to just tackle that because I think the key thing here is that you start to be self-reflective on how your money is being managed. And that's the way you start to notice where it's going, where it shouldn't go. You can start to rein it in and reallocate those funds to a more purposeful direction. Totally agree, Rob. So on that note, you said there's going to be a third part which is extraction. <laughs> and I'm quite yeah. curious to see how you can explore this topic because I know this is another hour-long length podcast. So I'm, I'm interested to see how you're going to shorten this. So <laughs> over to you on, on attraction. <laughs> okay, I, I'm, I am going to keep it brief. And I'm just simply going to ask everyone to write this down. If you could write the following sentence down, you will only attract to you that which you believe wholeheartedly you can attract. So let me say that again. You'll only attract that to you, which you believe wholeheartedly that you can attract and that you intend to attract and that you believe you deserve to attract. So there's these three elements to it. It's like putting, it's opening up these valves in a dam, allowing the water to come through from the reservoir through the dam and then out to irrigate the fields below and to keep people, uh, all their their vegetables fed with water. So the first belief, the first valve is you believe that you can attract money. That's really important. Secondly, you believe that you deserve to attract money. And then wrapped around that is this third element, which is the intention. You have a pure intention to attract more money into your life. It's coming from nowhere than a source of purity. It's not for greed. It's not to do anything negative with. It has to have a pure intention. If you put those three things together, those three valves, you can open up two valves in a dam and still not feed and irrigate the water and the fields below. It's only when the third valve is open can we truly actually get the water flowing. In other words, the flow of money, this is a metaphor, into our lives. So when I've worked with people, often what happens is they do believe that they can attract money. So they've got those right, but they may not have a total belief in themselves. Does that make sense, Hans? So they believe they can attract money, but they may not have a total belief in themselves and they may not believe that they have a vehicle to attract money. So one little valve blockage can stop the whole of the flow of the water that makes total sense and actually there's that last valve i genuinely have not heard that before i i personally come approach money from a place of purity anyway however i've not heard it described like that so that's fascinating because i agree if you put the intention out there for greed or I want money because of envy. Envy is another terrible human sometimes thing we have within us, which is I want money because of that person's got it. I want what they've got because of jealousy and envy. These are impurities. And right. If we can take those, strip it out and say, okay, and let me give an example of pure reason. A pure reason is I want my family to have the best life I can possibly give them and still have surplus to give to charity that I'm really passionate about or that has affected certain family member of mine. So I want to give charity to support them. So that's suddenly coming from a place of purity and a place of giving and saying, I want more. I want more because it's not for me. I think this is a real challenge people have with the negative belief around business people or even property landlords. Some people believe that the money is purely for them that goes into their own pocket and that gets locked away. Well, actually, no, money is a flow and it will flow to different parts. And if you have a management system like Dr. Rose spoke about in the second part of this podcast, you'll understand that actually, no, as a business owner, the money belongs to the company 
And then the part of that money will flow to the owner of the company. There's a lot of elements of that, that money flow and a part of that will be charity. And I, but I think that's fascinating. So those three points, I'm actually going to pull into the show notes as well. So it's a quick reference. So somebody so, can literally print that off and put that on their wall because it's fantastic. So jump in, just to jump in and add there. So you've, you've made a good point. So you definitely have a pure intention. I know that as a person. So anyone listen to this, if you have a pure intention to attract more money, that has to come from a place of giving value. So if that intention involves giving value to other people, offering a great service, etc. Again, it's another podcast for business that's mm. the first part the second thing is that you believe that you can attract money i.e it's looking at all the beliefs that you have around your ability to attract money to you that comes down to things like i do believe i can do it because i can start a property business i do believe i can do it because i can trade the stock market i do believe i can do it because i can start an internet business i do believe i can do it because i can start a, a web-based social media company whatever it is so that's about your belief that you can do it so there's a whole set of beliefs just around that then there's the final element which is the belief that i deserve it and this is where a lot of people have an issue yeah. because something has gone on in the past where they, they don't feel worthy. You were at an event with me recently, Harminda, where a lady literally melted down in the audience when I started to approach her about her beliefs about money. She even yeah. brought her hands up to her face and started to cover herself up because she had all these blocks and she was trying to protect herself from all these little voices in her head that were telling her she doesn't necessarily believe that she deserves to earn more money. And so we can have the first two, the intention and the belief that we can. We've got a great vehicle. My gosh, why is it? I've been in property now for the last two years, but I just don't seem to be able to make any money from this. That's because fundamentally the third valve is that you don't deserve you earn it. But I thought yeah. I did. Well, let's ask some questions about that. All of a sudden <laughs> they realize there's the block. So we have to clear yeah. all three of those. And by doing that, you get alignment with the pure intention of, of the universe which is bringing money to us in this case yeah and you'll have to take our word for it until you start it yourself <laughs> it will come it will come it's um, vibrational harmony it is and it's, it's how you approach it so i mean that's a fantastic summary and attraction i think we can talk about that for a very long time next natural place to go now with this is some action points and homework for the growth tribe podcast listeners at home and maybe you can give them a few action points on this and i'll give them a few action well, points coming I'll from just, my perspective yeah i think i'll just give one really and it's going back to this subject of beliefs I, th I think the main exercise i would encourage you to do is write that simply write this down number one why do you believe that you can create more wealth more money in your life why do you believe that so it's simple simple question why do you believe it just write down whatever you believe about why you know you can create more money and it could be to do with i believe i can create more money because i have an amazing skill set i have tools that i know i can offer to the world i believe i can generate more money because i've been in this industry i'm in for the last 30 years and i can monetize that by becoming a consultant i believe that i can generate more money because i can start a property business whatever it is but i want you to write down all your key beliefs about why you believe that you can generate more money but separate to that in the second question is why do you believe you deserve to earn more money and that's really important so it could be to do with the fact you deserve it because you've worked all these years and you want to generate more money to help your family it could be to help with charities it could be because you you would like to travel more and that you believe you deserve more money because you can do good with it so if you can write down six strong reasons why you deserve more money that will start to build the beliefs in you about how you can attract more money into your life. And underlining all of this, as, as Harminda said, is don't go chasing the money. That's a conversation for another day, for another podcast. Don't be obsessed with the money. This is about building a strong set of beliefs that underpin how you go building that wealth for yourself. That's all I want to leave you with. Okay, that's a great action point. I think that will keep somebody busy for quite a while, especially <laughs> the third question, which is about deserving money. Yes. Um, I think we'll get some feedback on that and hopefully we can help future listeners on almost coaching them through that exercise because it is going to be challenging, Agreed. especially if this is the first time you're approaching this exercise i think it took me maybe about three to four rounds of working through that process 
for me to finally realize where all my money beliefs had come from. Every single one. I could pinpoint it to a parent. I could pinpoint it to a family member, to a celebrity, to a movie I watched. And it's not all generally comes through childhood, but I could pinpoint all those beliefs. And I can promise you it's a massive relief once you realize they are not your beliefs. They are somebody else's. You've just been holding on to them for quite a long time so yeah so definitely work through those so right the action point i have which links to dr rose management money management system which is we won't go into the detail of it because i think that's too much for this step but i think the main part to focus on is just to be aware of where your money is going at the end of every month and what pot is it being allocated to so you've got the six pots to work with now the first thing to do is at the end of the month have a look at your finances and say which pots did money get allocated to typically it may be living costs spending and savings pot that will probably be the typical place at the moment but then have a look and what i would say is Take one of the pots Dr. Rose spoke about. Maybe it's the fun pot. Maybe it's the investment pot. And just open another pot and put something in there to start with. And we'll hopefully cover this in more detail in the future on exactly what to do. But at this case, at this stage, it's purely about awareness. What pots are being used at the moment? So that's the action point for myself. Absolutely. I think that's great, Armin. There's two. There's a left brain and a right brain exercise here. One is a more logical one, as you've just gone through there. And then the, the beliefs is more about emotional and right brain. It's having a really deep look at our beliefs as well. Thank you for inviting me on. And I'm looking forward to picking this subject up again, actually, on, on one of our future podcasts. That's an absolute pleasure, Ro. And I'm glad I approached you with this question because it's we covered. So just to summarize, we covered money beliefs. We covered money management systems. And we've, we've even spoken about attracting money into your life. So even if you take that description, rewind the podcast take that description Ro gave you about attracting money that will start to unlock some amazing things in your life so on that note that is myself and Dr. Ro signing out don't forget to check out the show notes at growthtribes.com forward slash podcast where we'll have the show notes we'll have all the useful things we spoke about within this podcast especially the coaching questions they have been very popular so just check us out check us out on the website and that is me and dr Rowe signing out today's episode of growth tribes podcast Hello, it's Dr. Rowe here. Harms and I would both like to personally thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Growth Tribes. And if you've gained just one insight, something positive that you're able to use on a personal level, on a professional level, to help your life, maybe even other people's lives, then we'd love it if you could take action on one of the following things. You can either simply subscribe so you don't miss out on any other great insights coming up in the future, You can share this podcast with close friends so they can also get the benefits of the tips and tools that we're sharing. Or it would be amazing if you could give us a review and let others know just how great this episode was. And finally, if you do have a question, don't forget to submit it on growthtribes.com forward slash podcast. Thank you again for listening. This is Dr. Rowan Harm signing out and we'll see you again on the next podcast.